0: You are listening to Talking I.O., a podcast about technology in the real world, where we discuss enterprise technology, how to sell it, and how it best helps your customers. Your hosts are Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon, and we work for Dell EMC. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at Talking I.O. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Talking I.O. This is Stuart Harmon, one of your hosts.
1: And I'm Christian Cloud.
0: Today we have with us Paul Emhoff. Paul, would you like to introduce yourself real quick?
1: Yeah, it's uh, Paul M. and uh, I work with Dell EMC Converged Platforms and Solutions Division.
0: So, right, Christian and I work for Dell EMC. We all work for Dell EMC. I think the whole industry does now. What is the Converged Platforms Division?
1: Yeah, so, Converged Platforms Division is really the current form of the former VCE, uh, and VCE was founded in about two thousand and nine. And it was really a a mixture of three different companies, uh, VMware, Cisco, and EMC. But the idea behind VCE was to bring best of breed hardware and software into a, a turnkey system that was managed as a single system but with one call support um, for all of VMware, for all of Cisco and all of uh, uh, emc products that were in the solutions and uh, the idea was this whole this whole uh, bringing together of three companies created this industry called converged infrastructure and the idea again was to create a a turnkey solution that customers could uh, order and then 45 to 60 days later would arrive at their loading dock get put into their their data center and uh, turned on and it was immediately available for use. The idea being that the customer would not have to uh, buy all of these components piecemeal and then spend months trying to get everything to work together. The value proposition was that they could get to uh, productivity far faster with this turnkey approach, and then on top of that, Uh, everything was supported as a single unit. Uh, Because everything was engineered to work together, it was manufactured in one place under strict standards, um, and uh, it was supported and sustained and maintained as a single system. Uh, It was was very easy. It was basically the easy button for, for large customers or for customers.
0: Cool, wonderful. Thank you for the background. We'll get into that in a little bit. Deep, more depth also because I, I think there's some interesting conversations there. Actually might as well dive into it now. So I'm really curious right Adele, we spent a long time touting, you know, get away from proprietary hardware, move off of it. It's very expensive and, and costly and you're tied into a company. You know, you now see V what was VCE, CPSD now came in and said, hey, buy this what appears to be a very proprietary I mean what's the difference in this and a mainframe? Other than, we're not talking processor technology, right? But if you look at kind of the way it's supposed to work, it's a hard and rigid system. I think that's an interesting, there's some interesting differentiators that I'd like to explore a little.
1: Sure. Um, Well, the the idea, again, between uh, the idea behind converged infrastructure was really to use the best of breed components for compute networking and virtualization and really give a customer uh, the, the option of buying those components as a complete turnkey solution uh, and not have them spend their time putting together these components themselves and making everything work, which would oftentimes take months.
0: Yeah, what is that? That's what six to nine months is the average
1: absolutely that that's right Stuart. it's six to nine months for people to stand up their own uh, uh high quality product tiered at you know uh infrastructure with stands and and uh networking and you know storage and virtualization software all of those things it would take a long time for those six to nine months uh, but with vce converged infrastructure that that six to nine months got uh Uh, condensed down to about 45 days.
0: Well, and it's even condensed more than that, right? Because your initial purchase is 45 days, but these aren't a a single application system, right?
1: No, absolutely not. In fact, uh, most customers are using this, uh, we're using the converged infrastructure to run multiple mission-critical applications, Um, whereas the the traditional three-tiered model was to have a a dedicated infrastructure for a specific application, Uh, that wasn't the case with with Converged infrastructure. Customers could then, uh, you know, with Converged, they could put all kinds of mission-critical applications and run them on this this infrastructure. So I'm just kind of
2: curious then, like, what... uh... Are the products that made up the VCE or make up the VCE or converged infrastructure platform? What were they? Uh, what are those actual uh, products that we're looking at?
1: Sure. Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the Cisco uh, networking gear. So there'd be top of rack switches. Those would typically be a, a Nexus switch. Uh, then uh, the compute would be Cisco UCS. Uh, the storage would be a uh, an EMC storage box, such as a Uh, VNX or Isilon or VMAX product Uh, and then the virtualization software was uh, typically VMware. Was
0: there another virtualization software sometimes?
1: No, uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, There are some products today that uh, allow a customer to basically bring their own hypervisor but in the converged model uh, when it was launched in uh, 2009 or thereabouts, it was, it was pretty much VMware.
0: So now that Dell, you know, owns EMC, we have the best server platform out there. What's the roadmap there? How long is, are, are we going to support UCS for infinity for customers where it's appropriate? Or are we throwing it out the window today?
1: Yeah, you know, Stuart, that's a, a common question that I get uh, in the partner channel space. Uh, You know, since the acquisition of EMC uh, by Dell, a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with that Cisco relationship. And what I can say is that as long as customers really want to have the option of buying Cisco gear in their turnkey solutions, we're going to keep offering it. Uh, And and you might remember, you might recall, when the acquisition of EMC was announced, uh, Michael Dell and Chuck Robbins a, made a, a, a joint announcement together that basically said we, we, the new Dell EMC, are committed to the Cisco relationship and committed to our customers who have, have uh, purchased Cisco gear. That continues to, that, to this day. It is still the case, and for the foreseeable future, it, it will remain the case.
2: So this is one of those rare situations where you can be a competitor and friend at the same time, I guess, right?
1: I guess you could look at it that way. Like, you know. <laughs> no, we're still
0: throwing out the UCS stuff, right? We're just sticking with the Nexus, or, or <laughs> well, so, the, or, is, I, or is that statement across both the the server, the compute component of of uh, the VCE systems or the converged platform systems, or is it just a network statement?
1: Well, um, I've seen the, the statement uh, ring the most true for um, the networking components where Cisco will continue to be offered in our turnkey solutions. Uh, but however, if you look at the new segment of HCI, you'll see that Cisco UCS has no footprint, has never had a footprint in that space. And the roadmap calls for VxRail in the hyperconverged space really to be based on all Dell products.
0: So explain for a minute, I, I think this, this is something that, I mean, I start every cl- infrastructure component of a cloud discussion with, let's get the definitions out of the way for hyperconverged and converged right. and cloud. How do you define those?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, uh, simply because a lot of people um, still don't have a clear understanding of what those are. So hyper, well, I'll I'll start with converged. And, you know, when I I spoke a little bit earlier about those uh, enterprise-grade components, such as storage SAN and uh, compute nodes, um, and then uh, the virtualization software, those best-of-breed components were very distinct components in a converged infrastructure architecture. The SAN was a distinct unit, the compute was a distinct unit, as was the networking. Hyperconverged takes a little bit of a different approach. It converges the storage and the compute into a single unit, and that single physical unit has software-defined storage, uh, software on it, that treats the software at, or treats the the um, treats the storage infrastructure as a pooled resource. So instead of having a dedicated SAN to pool storage, that that storage is now uh, delivered through software, uh, and that's really the key difference. So if you were to again kind of build a visual in your head of those the converged model, which is distinct SAN uh, and compute and virtualization, uh, hyper-converged, gets rid of the SAN, puts the storage in the compute on board, and delivers that uh, storage through software. That's really the, the key difference. Does that make sense? Does that help?
0: Completely. Where do you see the use cases? If I'm a customer, or I'm a seller, or I'm an engineer, I look at it and I go, well, okay, great, hyperconverged, converged You know, I think first we have to separate uh, workflow, which we'll get into in a minute, on how do you provision and deprovision the resources needed for the application developers or the business teams, right? And, and that can overlay any of the hyperconverged or converged platforms. Am I correct there?
1: Well, yes and no. And, and let me get back to the, the question that you asked about use cases imagine any organization and what specifically they are as an organization are trying to accomplish if they're a hospital if they're a bank if they're a retail store their core competency as a business is not supposed to be IT it's supposed to be their line of business the value to them is in having a IT infrastructure that they don't have to mess with. They can take all of the time that they used to spend on getting different IT components to work together. They can take that time and put it towards application development or running their business, finding out what what their customers are are wanting, using business analytics to increase the profitability of their business rather than getting memory to work with host bus adapters and BIOS versions and all that, all those things. So those, imagine any company and their particular use cases of how they use IT, that's a potential target for a VxRail solution. Yeah,
2: that's, um, I know in the IT modern, the Dell EMC IT modernization story, oftentimes we talk about trying to uh, have a business, uh, or IT I should say specifically, um, move from being a um, a, 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 a cost center, a drain on the business, and yep. become a revenue producing, essentially a, a, a tool to be able to produce revenue like by developing applications and so forth. One question I kind of have is like, uh, you had mentioned banks and some other industries that uh, would make use of the VCE or converge, hyper-converged platforms. Who would you say the target customers are?
1: Well, again, uh, Christian, you know, I would say that the target customers um, for hyper-converged infrastructure is going to be any customer that wants to spend less time tweaking the bits of their infrastructure and more time adding value to the bottom line of their business.
2: So my uh, non-technical term was for people who would like to tinker less with the hardware, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, are
0: you me doctors, <laughs> yeah. aren't, doctors aren't saving patients by uh, figuring out where data sits on a lun <laughs>
1: that's exactly right why should, why should customers spend their time figuring out lun management and forklift upgrades of SANS when they could be actually running their business and improving their business
2: so you make a good point then i'm kind of curious you know uh to do patches updates uh Sometimes in a traditional IT sense, you're going to have to pull those entire environments offline to be able to to uh, to roll out whatever new update or patch. Um, and worst case scenario, if there's an intrusion of some sort, um, what does that look like in in this uh, product set? Like, um, are you able to um, it, when you if you're going to automate or orchestrate or roll out some type of patch? Like, um, what is the time frame com- compared to a traditional IT?
1: Yeah, so that's, you know, that was one of the, the key values that VCE brought to its customer base. Uh, and at the time we called it RCM, it's the Release Certification Matrix. And really what that means is that every component within a, a converged infrastructure solution was tested, um, all the BIOSes were tested, all the firmware models were tested, uh, prior to being released to the customer. And so the customer would get a package and they would be assured that everything in their infrastructure, all of those components that made up the infrastructure would be updated and the update would be tested against all of the other components. That saved them time from having to do uh, their own rollout upgrade testing. Um, in the hyper-converged world, it's pretty much the same concept where we take the upgrade, uh, upgraded software, we test it in a known environment in all of the, the environments that would replicate or mimic a customer's environment, and then we make it available. Uh, and then on top of that, there's the support component. All of the components in converged and hyper-converged even though they may the, the the solutions may consist of components from different companies, there's only one call for support, and that has has led to an, an incredible decrease in downtime. For example, in the the converged infrastructure solutions, get this it's a 96 percent decrease in downtime, wow. and that that is absolutely massive. Yeah, that's uh, right. How much time that saves companies, and and how much of that time that they could actually spend delivering value to the business.
2: So, like, what does it look like uh, in terms of if, it's, if someone wants to order additional storage, or you know, something that uh, um, uh, that's outside of that initial turnkey solution? How quickly or how fast would they be able to deploy um, upgrades um, from a hardware perspective?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. So. Let me, let me put some, some names to what we've talked about so far and then okay. uh, I'll, I'll address that. So in the converged infrastructure space, we called those products V-blocks and VX-blocks. As part of, uh, I'll just use the, the, the phrase V-blocks or blocks. Uh, so when a customer wanted to buy a block, and they had it on site, and it was running, and then they wanted to add some additional storage, for example, they could add additional storage through something called a technology extension. And it's basically taking additional storage, whether it was VMAX, or Isilon, or VNX, and simply tack that on to the existing VBlock that they had, and it would continue to be supported uh, through that one throat to choke so to speak awesome. and okay. and it would be part of that release certification matrix that i talked about
2: okay so you'd mentioned v-block and i know there's a couple other products uh and i'm kind of curious what the difference is between some of these like there's v-block v-rack and i believe vx real i do have the unique advantage of working for Dell EMC, so i kind of knew the answer <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, what are the differences between us those three products that i just mentioned
1: Sure. So a, a block, whether it's a V-block or a VX-block, is going to fit that traditional converged infrastructure model. A VX-rack or a VX-rail is going to fit into the category of hyper-converged. Um, so uh, let me let me dive down a little bit deeper into those products. So a VX-rack um, is... Going to be a rack scale type of system that includes hyperconverged nodes, similar to VX Rail, uh, and it's going to have it's going to include top of rack switching. So you, you, the customer, when they buy a VX rack, it's going to include a rack, the compute nodes, the storage that's on the compute, uh, and it's going to include networking, and it's going to be that turnkey system. VxRail, um, again in that hyper-converged space, is basically a single node without the top-of-rack networking. So you, could, you could buy three or four nodes to start, bring your own 10 gigabit networking in most cases, and have a hyper-converged cluster uh, running on VMware with commodity hardware, and be up and running for very little cost, relatively, uh, and uh, run VMware workloads um, very, very
2: quickly. So VX yeah. So VX Rail to me sounds eerily similar to vSAN, or like or vSAN Ready you Nodes know, type solution.
1: Sure. So what uh, would be
2: the difference between those two?
1: Yeah, there's actually a big difference, and what I'm seeing in the channel is a lot of partners wanting to sell just a vSAN ready node instead of a VX Rail. Uh, but there are very distinct advantages to considering VX Rail. Uh, some of those advantages are that uh, you get a lot of software in a VX Rail that you don't get in a vSAN ready node. For example, um, there's uh, a cloud array license that allows uh, Data to be backed up to a public cloud. There's data domain. Uh, there's a lot of vSphere licenses that, uh, or there's vSphere software uh, that can that comes with a vX Rail. Uh, so the difference between vX Rail and vSAN Ready is, is quite distinct. Um, vX Rail is really going to be for a customer that has an existing VMware infrastructure, and they want to continue using that infrastructure. Uh, a vSAN ready node might be for a company that doesn't have a virtualized or VMware virtualized infrastructure, but they want to start playing with uh, software-defined storage. And in that, it's going to be a vSAN. Um, so, you know, most enterprises, most data centers uh, most use cases, that uh, most customers that are based on VMware, they're really gonna wanna look at VX Rack. Uh, and, and the other difference is that rail is much more of a do-it-yourself type of solution. I'm sorry, let me, let me back that up. Uh, vSAN ReadyNode is much more of a do-it-yourself type of solution, whereas VX Rail is going to be uh, more of a turnkey solution.
2: Okay, so that goes back to your point earlier in terms of being able to uh, put a lot more energy and efforts back into the business by using the VxRail solution versus the vSAN ready node.
1: Right, right. And, and really from a marketing perspective, you know, the way we're marketing that is this build to buy continuum. And, you know, and I've kind of alluded to this in, in other comments, but the idea is that customers should be buying solutions as opposed to building them themselves
2: definitely you know with us being in the channel um stuart and i uh uh, working with the channel partners excuse me uh we have a conversation quite often on what their overall strategy is because um some partners do prefer based off of their business models building some prefer to help their customers with the more buy pattern why would a channel partner choose to go with the uh BCE solutions uh, the build to continuum as a partner.
1: Sure, uh, that's a, a common question that I get from the partners that I deal with as well, and really the answer boils down to one word I think, uh, commoditization. Mm-hmm. And with that commoditization comes low margins. Uh, so partners really need to start looking at ways that they can make more money at a you know through services or additional integration, perhaps, um, instead of relying on doing volume with low, com, uh, low margin hardware. Right. That's really what we're trying to get partners to look at and look at, you know, make your money on the services that you get uh, and the drag that you get, um, rather than just selling the quick and easy uh, tidbit of, of hardware.
0: So, who, when our partners are talking to their customers, right? Are we going in, or are we having a conversation with the server administrator here, or you know, who do we need to be selling these workload conversations to? It's a different engagement model with our customers than we're used You're to. You're
1: right, Stuart. Uh, it is a very different uh, engagement model, and it really requires um, a, a holistic approach at the target customer. Um, Obviously, we have to have a champion in the technical space, whether that be the the enterprise architect or the systems administrator, Uh, but we really want to be talking at the C-level. We wanna be talking to the people who understand the business and understand how they can grow their business through using IT in a very strategic way. So it's a combination of both.
0: Cool. So switching gears just a little bit here uh, after the product, you know, I think your biggest competitor is the buy or I'm sorry, the build continuum, right? People just doing business as usual. Um, But if I look at the market around workflow in that automated, that cloud-like experience where you're able to not focus on the hardware, um, you know, OpenStack is one that comes to mind in terms of an approach that seems very similar. Can you compare and contrast a little bit on, on what the Converged Platform division from Dell approaches versus like an OpenStack approach?
1: Sure. boy, uh, well, you know, OpenStack is, is a really tough beast. Uh, you know, the idea behind OpenStack is that a customer would use open source software to manage and to build out their infrastructure services. They create infrastructure as a service and platform as a service, all using um, open source products that are not tied to any one vendor. And typically the benefit would be that they'd get the software for little or no cost. But the drawback is that those organizations who use OpenStack have to spend a lot of time getting those components to work together. Um, Dell EMC in its uh, converged platforms and solutions products really gets around that issue by offering turnkey solutions that allow uh, the users to get to business value far faster than they could with an OpenStack solution. Now, some people might argue that There is um, a little bit of restriction or constraint around the products that can be used. Uh, And while that may be true, look at the business value that they gain through having a a turnkey solution that allows them to, to reduce downtime and get to business faster.
0: Absolutely. So I was reading an interesting article the other day, and I believe it was actually a DevOps article out of Puppet or somebody, and it was one of their their white papers. But they were talking about how in most cases it is far more efficient for a business to change their processes to meet the, the technology that they can use than to decide that they're going to go build everything to meet the process that they've already invented. And I, I feel like that might be a little bit of uh, follow very well with the converged platform, the VX products suites from from Dell EMC, Um, yes, you don't have unlimited flexibility, but what we're giving you is a a fast way to turn uh, your business, uh, to to address your business needs, right, instead of, again, like OpenStack, tweaking all your, spending all your time
1: tweaking the gear. Sure, And, and if you look at where we're headed as an organization and where the industry is headed, it's really headed towards a hybrid cloud model where, some of the infrastructure is kept on site. Some of it is kept in a public cloud, and the infrastructure really provides a seamless path to utilize both of those. Um, the um, the model that model of having a hybrid cloud really requires organizations to look very carefully internally at their models and their hierarchical organizations and their structures. Are they still siloed? Well, that siloed model is going away. Um, And they need to restructure themselves in a way that allows them to utilize new business models, um, the public cloud and and private cloud, and to to structure themselves in a way that, that allows them to seamlessly go in between those two.
2: Now, it's kind of interesting because uh, just from the different uh, people that we've interviewed in previous podcasts, and then you're also echoing the same sentiment that um, things are changing, and uh, a lot of customers, you know, cloud having to be taken into consideration, um, and the point that Stuart made earlier in terms of uh, who we're actually speaking with is it you know no longer is it. Would you be successful just talking with an IT administrator, or sysadmin? You're going to have to talk to more C-level people to get involved in a, into a kind of a, position these products properly. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, is uh, so. In terms of, uh, you kind of answered this already, but you know. These converse plat systems. How do these converse systems play into a customer's cloud strategy? So you're looking at more of a hybrid strategy. Is that what was that what the answer would be? Like uh, for customers looking to do a hybrid. What about a customer looking yeah. to do a private cloud?
1: Absolutely. Um, so the um, there's opportunities for both. Um, the the general shift, uh, as I mentioned, is towards kind of a hybrid model, um, and it really depends on the, the business. There are some businesses who have always been a native cloud business. You think of the Ubers of the world. Um, They started off in the cloud, they're always gonna be in the cloud, Um, and and that's that's great. Uh, There's other customers who are stuck in this on-premises model, and they've got dedicated infrastructure um, or dedicated applications, and they wanna remain that way for whatever reason. It could be data locality issues, it could be uh, governance issues, um, sharing data across borders, you know, something along those lines. But really the trend kind of in the fat middle really is having a, a hybrid between on-premises and off-premises, or private and public. VxRail, uh, uh, B-Block, VxRack, they all play into that. They can be uh, used on premises at data centers, but then some of the software that's included uh, in those those solutions allows companies or, or they allow companies to migrate data and share data on, into the public cloud and seamlessly transition back and forth as needed. And a lot of times, the public cloud is simply used for cold storage or archival purposes, um, and then they keep a lot of the processing local. So, you know, it's a it's a shift to a hybrid model, and and that's where our product set really um, really shines. It, it's like
0: somebody when they were engineering this solution thought, "Wow, maybe uh, there would be a hybrid model." And how do you, you write that VMware component in there? Adds a phenomenal amount of flexibility on purely private, purely public, or that ability to extend into the cloud um, through extensibility in one way or another. So we, we talked to VMware a month or so ago, the cloud foundations. How, do you guys, because you are built on VMware as your hypervisor management layer, um, can you take advantage of all the suite of tools that they have that sit outside of the VX rail or the block? Capabilities or that are built into the CPSD products.
1: Sure. Um, so, but let me let me back up, and you know, and I, I may have given the impression that we really are a a VMware only type of organization, and and really that's that's not completely accurate. We do have a hyperconverged product set in the uh, hyperconverged. I'm sorry, we have a hyperconverged product set called uh, Dell XC and that is uh, based on Nutanix, um, and it is for customers who would like to basically bring their own hypervisor. Uh, so that's in the appliance space with you know, uh, Nutanix XC or Dell XC and uh, VxRail also fits in there, but VxRail is, is uh, VMware specific. On the rack scale, we have uh, VxRack SDDC, which is based on VMware uh, uh, Cloud Foundations, but we also have the, uh, the Flex model of VX Rack, and that is basically bare metal or bring your own hypervisor. Um, so there are options outside of the VMware family. For, For the solutions that do uh, focus on VMware, yes, there is absolutely tight integration with all of the VMware uh, management tools and software. And you'll find that in our appliance base with VxRail, that integration with with vCenter, for example, is getting tighter and tighter as we move forward.
0: Great. Uh, I think the only thing that I have left that I'm kind of curious about is customers have been doing business the the three-tier model traditional way uh, for a long time so I guess I'll finish with, with two questions uh, one is how do we help our system administrators that we've worked with for our entire careers right um, transition so that they're valuable to their companies as they become cloud-focused and and uh, business focused and not operationally focused. And then the other thing is, as we're moving down this model, how do we help ourselves and our customers and our partners make some data-driven decisions uh, and and assess what they have so that they can figure out how to size out, how to plan out their new environment?
1: Sure. So yeah, there's two questions there. Um, The first one I think was, was, how do we get our typical system administrator customers to see the value uh in buying rather than Why building we help
0: them yes yeah, so I'll, yeah let's go
1: with that one first. sure so really the the thing that i have found most effective is um help them understand the type of conversation they need to be having with their internal folks at, at wherever they work um instead of you know when they get asked to put together an infrastructure solution, start asking how is this going to be used? What is this going to be used for? How do you envision this growing? How do you envision this helping our organization? And if they can ask those types of questions, they'll be better able to provide a solution that integrates with other solutions or can be used in other organizations Uh, Building out a more complete infrastructure that gets them uh, kind of into a converged or hyper-converged product set, which ultimately makes their life easier, but it also brings value to the organization. Um, And they obviously, they need to keep learning. Uh, and, and so, Stuart, what was the second part of your question? I, I'm well, sorry. Before we
0: go there, on the keep learning, do you have any recommendations? And so as part of this, we also publish show notes so we can go put links to things. So we'll follow up with you and make sure we get those, doc, you know, we can go put links. But what do you recommend on the keep learning
1: component? So On the, on the keep learning component, I, you know, I, I'm going to, my answer is going to be a little biased. But uh, talk to your, talk to the people at CPSD. Uh, talk to the people at Dell EMC. Uh, of what what they're seeing at other companies, what are the trends that they're seeing out in the marketplace? And of course, we're going to be biased, um, but ultimately, we want to do what is best for our customers. Um, and so, we're going to we're going to do our best to give you non-biased answers.
0: Fair enough. And I guess the last thing to to wrap up, unless Christian, do you have anything else? Is how do we how do we assess? Our customers environment really help them yeah how do we put the how do we help them prove that they need to go make this investment in a converged platform and how much better it's going to be for them operationally than and organizationally than the existing way of doing
2: Uh, business but before you answer that I was uh, what I was going to say actually it's kind of funny you said that was are there any assessments that we do before we recommend a solution that's actually you know to kind of
1: Absolutely. Um, So there are a variety of tools um, that we have. Um, So let me let me start off at at kind of a small scale. Uh, What we would typically do is we'd like to get into the customer environment and run, uh, you know, kind of a DPAC tool set. And that really is information that goes out into the environment and collects usage data. Um, on the virtual machines that are out there, on, on the infrastructure that's existing and what the, the, uh, the, the IOPS are, for example, through that data, uh, what the size of the VMs are. Uh, so we do a lot of collection of that information first through something like DPAC. And then um, we would input that data into sizing tools. For example, uh, with VxRail, uh, we've got a sizing calculator that we can plug uh, all of this, this performance data into, and it's gonna spit out a recommended solution, but it's also going to allow the user to choose a comparison solution to compare performance, compare cost, uh, and compare different efficiencies. Um, and then there's another tool that we have that's kind of at the, the broader business end. And this is one that um, we might not have spoken a whole lot about in the channel space, but it, it's, really, it, it's really focused on the business side and demonstrating that the CPSD solution is actually providing business value. The, uh, the tool is called a business value assessment. And that is where we come in and we run some, some calculations on existing costs Uh, maybe the costs of downtime, uh, the costs of upgrades, things like that, and we take those calculations, we put them into our business value assessment, and we come back and say, well, you know, this particular solution that we're proposing is going to save you as a business this amount of money, and uh, this is how we're going to do it. Um, So there's a couple of tools that people have at their disposal. I would encourage people to reach out to their Dell EMC channel team uh, and and find out more about these tools and have these conversations and, and keep you know, learning. It's
2: great to hear about the business of, uh, value. What did you call that? The business business
1: value assessment or BVA. That
2: one's great. Like I've noticed uh, just at my time at Dell providing information that the DPAC spits out is not necessarily going to win the business with speaking with a uh, COO or CEO, like that, you know, that doesn't mean anything to them. So that's that's great information to know that we. have. Yeah, that.
1: absolutely. You know, things like D Pack and the sizing tools that really speaks to the the nuts and bolts of the solution. Uh, and we also have to have a solution that speaks to the business, and that is the business value that's assessment. Amazing.
0: That wraps up my questions for this segment, Christian. Do you have anything else for Paul? No, no. Like, there's some cool things in the news. I figure we could talk about before we before wrap we wrap it up. Do that. I just want to say, Paul, do you have any closing comments, remarks that you'd like to make or anything that we missed that you think really needs to be highlighted or reinforced? Well, you
1: know, I I guess I would say two things. Uh, One is um, reach out to your channel team, your Dell EMC channel team. We can uh, help you get more information. We can help you with those customer interactions. Uh, We can help you uh, run the tools and uh, put together a, a quote pretty quickly. Uh, and the second thing is just, Hey, thank you guys for, um, having me on your program. It's been a, a real privilege and, um, feel free to reach out however, uh, for additional help.
0: Really appreciate it, Paul. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. And, uh, I think there's great topics there. We have a consistent theme, right? It's been kind of the cloud theme lately. Um, and I think this is a core component of that, right? And we, we have market share. I mean, the people should be talking to Dell about this. We, we've got some great thought leadership, uh, from the Dell EMC family, from CPSD. Uh, I think it's really exciting stuff.
2: And then full disclosure, uh, Stuart and I have the advantage of working with Paul, and you're a rock star, so appreciate your help on this. Absolutely. And and, uh, in the past and moving forward.
1: Hey, I really appreciate that, and uh, thanks again, you guys.
0: No, thank you.
2: You know, I I saw something kind of fun in the news that's not, so I I know we have to tread lightly because we work at Dell EMC, but the phone wars right now is going... Bananas, (laughs) Bananas, <laughs> especially the the watch that doesn't work, which kind of a tide that. Oh, so
0: Apple can't get their their watch they're releasing like today won't connect to their phones.
2: Oh, oh really? Gosh. And then I saw uh, Google just made a deal with Pixel, um, it's one point one billion dollar deal with Pixel to enter the more high end phone market. So it's, nice. Yeah, it's phone wars are live and well.
0: Well, it, it's so funny, right? We we live in the data center, but. That's how people access their information. And it's so easy to forget that they're an important part of – I mean, who would have thought 10 years ago that my, my text messaging – five years ago that my text messaging would be important? I meant HTC. They HTC, made, yeah. They, made.
2: <laughs> they make the Pixel. Isn't they that the them, Google yeah, phone? Yeah, Pixel's yeah, yeah, yeah. part of their yeah. business.
0: They had a $1.1 $1. 1 million deal with HTC. Excuse me. So around the phone wars – I never thought I'd see this in the news uh, – Apple and Dell are teamed up. Really? It's crazy, right? So I don't know. um, You know, there's like five NAND fabricators that make our solid-state drives in the world. Toshiba, it was SanDisk, bought by Western Digital, Intel, Samsung, and like Micron. Western Digital, right, they bought Samsung, but before that, or SanDisk, sorry. And SanDisk and Toshiba had a joint venture. Toshiba kind of led, was the controlling interest in their fabrication facilities. Apple and Dell teamed up and are putting in, a, it's a non-binding offer, but they are the lead to buy the Toshiba Fabs. Oh, wow. Which means that all of these crazy solid-state pricing problems we've had, they will Dell and Apple will have a major stake. And I don't know if you guys remember when the first phone wars came out. I think one of Apple's greatest ideas was they bought the entire glass supply for the world like oh, a seven yeah. year long term commit, yeah, I that. Yeah. it skyrocketed. Nobody could touch the iPhone for five years or yeah, something because right. you couldn't make a screen that was
2: worth reading. I remember like manufacturers would attempt it and they would get sued or something like that. There was like, or you just couldn't make
0: a good part of it was yeah. you
2: physically couldn't make a good device
0: because nobody could get high quality glass. Yeah, I so that. the iPhone looked beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And then I remember even you know, don't get mad at me, Dell, but uh, Dell, we made some some tablet, mini tablet, big phone mm-hmm. things and. Just, you couldn't see them. They, the, the, the quality of the screen was horrible.
2: I was actually a fan of that one 7-inch Dell phone. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Streak really, or something? The Streak, yeah. And the one thing they, that I think hurt that business was that the uh, the release, like you weren't able to update it or something like that, and then it came out like two generations or two OS, two OSs behind. Right. But I actually thought, I mean, it was a little ahead of its time um, with it being, you know, the large form factor being the thing now you know, being all the rage
0: and So, Paul, I think it's funny, right? You haven't been around, right? You've only been what a, a year ago, last week you came into the Dell family. Um, we see a little bit more of the consumer stuff other than the, Right. We're in the tech business because we're probably a little on the techie side, right? but you know, you see a lot more of these devices that show up and disappear when you work for a manufacturer because you know, somebody will try something out and put it out in the market and see how it tests and then it'll
2: disappear. And they're really cool things. They're just not quite productized. Right. But two, I think two, you'll see two dope products was scared uh not scared i apologize two dell products i was uh sad to see go won the streak i was actually a fan of it. a lot of my friends were like you like this huge phone i'm like that's awesome <laughs> and now everyone wants large phones yep and uh the other one was the dell uh, what was it the uh, jukebox or something like that it was the mp3 player which was a solid mp3 player what yeah it, it, did it go was the way the really, zune yeah it was around the same time <laughs> as the Zuni. and it was a really good mp3 player and it just uh didn't catch. I was thinking
0: about this the other day, right? We keep talking about converged and what does it mean and how do you virtualize and what's a logical instance versus a physical instance. For people that don't get it or aren't in the business, right? The cell phone is the easiest example. We used to have a telephone and then we had an MP3 player or a CD man or a Walkman, right? Um, And then you had a camera and then we've continued to collapse more and more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've collapsed more and more of that onto this one device and people have lived I guess people that are over 30 have lived through the consolidation of device after device onto one phone. Is it the right answer for all your needs? No. But does it do 95 or 98% of everything you need? Yeah, and I I just uh, was thinking through that. And I was like, as we do our trainings and our ongoing, uh, for those that listen, Christian and I do endless amounts of trainings for, for teams that are new to the technology field and they're learning how to go about it. I was like, that might be a really good analogy.
2: I'll tell you this, like just one last comment on the phones The uh, fact that you could get your plane boarding pass on your phone. I was actually an early adopter of that, and it was so – I mean, some people are like, I have to have the paper. I have to have the paper.
0: It was funny. So when you were an early adopter, some airports could scan it and some Some didn't. And I used to have to fly to Spokane every week, (laughs) and Spokane couldn't figure out the paper. So I was run in. They'd throw me out of the line. i have to go to the check-in machine. Get out a printed pass.
2: I would actually have both sometimes, just in case one printed copy. And it's just kind of cool to watch. Just in like what five years? Yep. If maybe, <laughs> it's pretty much everyone uses the phone. Yeah,
0: I used to get the paper ones because Delta Airlines would like the app would just crash. out. It was a brand new thing. It was the really apps cool. Would
2: crash? Yep. Yeah, like they were terrible. That's so funny. Uh,
0: have, uh, you know
2: why they? Did, you know why the apps crashed? Because they were not using the Dell EMC CPSD products. Yeah, it, it was.
0: It wasn't out there cool. yet. <laughs> That's Paul, it. it's your fault you didn't go sell it to him early. <laughs> oh, blame it on me. Oh, yeah, everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Paul, is there anything else you found interesting out there that you've seen pop up lately?
1: Well, you know that uh, it, it's not the latest news, but uh, the Kaspersky uh, news was pretty fascinating. And, you know, to, to realize that uh, that software was developed by an ex KGB cryptologist, <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's and been government running government? our government <laughs> 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 yeah, that's well, you know, you got to wonder um what the connections are. You just you, it's hard to tell nowadays.
0: Absolutely. It's uh I was reading a note and they said that one of the problems is we've gotten pretty good at kind of first line firewall defense. So now they're building these hacker tools into the code review tools that app developers use, right? So now the tool base that they use to build the original code is has been hacked and has malicious software in it
2: you know I want to say this from a completely generic and, and highly uneducated point of view but it just seems like this world that we live in is pretty interesting now like you know the Kapersky story and and whatever harder manufacturers there are out there and like you were talking about a like global market now and you, it seems like you do need to be a little bit more vigilant and what you're purchasing and what you're allowing inside your data center, even your home in terms of hardware and software.
0: As these conversations come up more and more, I will make a note that Dell has a really solid story around security. Uh, CPSD division, right? The the VX products block rails has their own set of security conversations um, around how do we vet these things. Dell's taken it seriously since I've been around and much longer. Uh, I think a lot of that's due to Dell does a lot of work with the federal government. We have to have source code capabilities, um, but as customers have questions around that, we actually have good answers. I don't know about our competitors; I've never looked. I, they might uh, have great answers, but we actually have a great set of answers. Uh, we've got a team that's actually dedicated. We had a, one of our briefings uh, that's oh, yeah. dedicated yeah. to building in really security into all aspects of our converged platform divisions and our just run, uh, you know, our everyday Freak. server storage network. Absolutely, uh, I think it's important to go bring up and address and. Uh, we can sit down with the security team and go toe-to-toe with anybody. Uh, so to wrap up, Christian and I will be in Atlanta coming up in October in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, everybody out there will also be in Chicago. So the 17th of October will be in Atlanta. 18th and 19th will be in Chicago. Uh, we'll actually be in Oklahoma City if anybody has a computer there to listen in on. I'm just a ragging on OKC a little bit. I yeah. love that town. Um, That's my, my old hometown. It, Paul, as we wrap up here, how can our our listeners get a hold of you? What's the best way? Is there a Twitter? Uh, do you want to, to reach out through the website and we, we'll get a hold of you? What works? Well, there's
1: there's a couple of ways. If people uh, want to reach out to me directly, well, my address is, is pretty, uh, pretty straightforward, paul.emhoff at dell.com. And the last name is spelled E-M-H-O-F-F. And uh, you, you can reach out to me directly or... Um, through uh through our internal means um, uh, or you know through you guys either way works I'm happy to help
0: well I'll post it up on the show notes uh, I'll follow up with you make sure we get some good links for uh, education and product and some other things that we really want to push our listeners towards
2: Paul, I have one question for you like the uh, VX rail enablement center is that customer facing or uh, apologize let me rephrase that partner-facing. It it
1: is absolutely partner facing um, and I would highly recommend that uh, our partners go there um, so include a link in uh, in, in your uh, follow-up material that'd be great
2: okay definitely
0: yeah if uh, do you have that or I have it yeah. There's great.
1: all kinds of tools there you guys for for um, battle cards competitive information um, you know some of the things that users really might find interesting are the ordering and licensing guide that's it's kind of like the Bible for VX VxRail. Um, there's the sizing tool up there. There's sales guides, uh, data sheets, spec sheets, all that good stuff.
2: I have spent the past three days deep diving in that site. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart's laughing because he knows. And I have found so much useful information in there. So thanks for letting me know about that. Yep. Cool. Um, that's all I have. Christian, do you have anything else
0: for us today? No. Thanks again, Paul. Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate My it. Pleasure. Everyone, thank you for listening. Another episode of Talking I.O. Uh, Stuart Harmon, you can reach me at Stuart at Work on Twitter. And I'm at C cloud I.O. And I need to start tweeting. Amen. So do we both. <laughs> you can also follow our silence on at Talking I.O. All right. Thank you, everybody. Paul, thank you. Yep, thank you. This has been another episode of Talking I.O. With host Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon. We appreciate you listening. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO.